2: like in Argentina for River Plate or a Book of Juniors, or you're going to Europe.
0: He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly.
2: Now, the Premier League is what, the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question.
0: When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind to say, well, all
1: the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody
2: except City. I am your host Joe Ucello, Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host Rob Rojas, my trusted co-host Ben the Machine. Good evening everyone and welcome to episode 367 of Low Limit Football on this September 11th, 2022. I am your host Joe Ucello and tonight we kick off year 10 with a look back at week one of the Champions League. The passing of Queen Elizabeth brings about cancellations of Week 7 in the Premier League. Domenico Tedesco is sacked at RB Leipzig this week and replaced by former Dortmund manager Marco Rosa, who then smashes his former team in his first manager match 3 nil over Dortmund. And as predicted on our Premier League preview, Thomas Tuchel is sacked at Chelsea after a disappointing Champions League performance. We'll discuss that, the fallout, and much, much more with our very special guest, Theo Cardi from the From the Shed End podcast will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How's it going, my man?
1: Very well, Joe. Very well. Obviously, you know, it's kind of a weird weekend without one of the major leagues happening in... um, in, in soccer, obviously, and in Europe. But that being said, there are still some great games. I think, obviously, you know, we're starting to get into how teams are really starting to set up after the transfer window closed. And, you know, certainly, again, like you know, we're just gearing up straight to the World Cup, really, because that's kind of the big major event. We got some friendlies coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks where we see already some call-ups. And, uh, yeah, it's I can't wait. It's, it, it's hard to believe that. Literally two months away from the biggest tournament in the world yeah it's,
2: it's right around the corner i'm already starting to plan my vacation days from work so mm-hmm. um all right so let's let's jump into it because we've got a pretty full show uh we were we were joined by theo cardi uh earlier to discuss everything going on at chelsea so we're going to save a lot of the chelsea talk for that interview um but we've got a great opening thoughts and uh, you my friend are responsible for trivia
1: this week I am. So, sticking into the Champions League, obviously we needed to talk about Erling Haaland because Mm -hmm. he's hit 25 goals in 20 appearances, Joe. Can you believe it? That's a ratio of 1.25. So he's averaging more than a goal per game. Uh, So that's, I think that's incredible, and I'm not going to be... I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if he breaks Ronaldo's record of 140 goals in 183 appearances. Mm -hmm. That being said... With that 1.25 ratio, that is the highest of all-time top goal scorers in the Champions League European Cup era. All you could say, but who is second on that list among active players?
2: Among active players for um, the highest
1: goal-to-appearance ratio.
2: Okay, I think I have, um, I think I have an answer. Uh, my one question to you is: When you say active players, meaning that they're just active, or they're actually in the Champions League this season? Because that would eliminate somebody really quick. Uh
1: yeah, in the Champions League.
2: In the Champions League. Okay. Yep. Got it. So all right. We'll give you that answer. I, I have a name, so we'll give you that answer at the end of the show. Uh opening thoughts. And opening thoughts leads right out of our great trivia question into discussing week one of the Champions League. Um some interesting results uh this this week in the Champions League. I think I'm not sure where you want to focus on first, but I think the shocking results, first of all, the Atletico Madrid-Porto match was insane. Uh, Nil-nil after 90 minutes, and the match finishes 2-1 with a Griezmann winner in that one uh, in the 11th minute of stoppage time, if I remember correctly, which is crazy. Uh, We saw Barcelona with a 5-1 victory over Pilsen. That was kind of expected, but uh, the the hat trick for Robert Lewandowski after Erling Holland's brace, uh, you know, in this round one as well. And I believe uh, Kylian Mbappe as well uh, with a brace there as well, um, you know, to have uh, Lewandowski kind of stake his claim back as one of the best goal scorers in the Champions League. We saw uh, injury come up uh, for um, Karim Benzema in Real Madrid's victory uh, in in their first round uh, matchup against Celtic. We saw Napoli absolutely smash Liverpool 4-1. Bayern Munich with a road victory at the San Siro with a 2-0 over um, Inter Milan. Uh, We saw Milan, AC Milan, uh, struggle to get a 1-1 draw against Salzburg, which was kind of shocking. PSG 2-1 at home over Juventus. Um, A tale of two halves for Juve, uh, where they they were a much, much better side in the second half and and produced the goal from it. Um, but many of the other results kind of went to form. So I want to throw it back at you. Just looking back on week one, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, did we learn anything? Um, you know, what, what, what did you think of week one so far?
1: Well, I think you said it perfectly. I think we definitely saw some shocks galore really. And then obviously some kind of dramatic uh, victories for some teams. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's always that kind of level of, you know, deceiving people really when it goes to the first part of the Champions League Again, these teams have, what, six games that they have to play yeah. within each other or something? So, yeah, it's um, it's not exactly the end of the world or, or one to feel very much braggadocious about because you won your first game or you lost your first game. You know, groups are still, obviously, still up to play. Now, mind you, I think, regardless of that Napoli win against Liverpool, I don't think that's going to affect Liverpool's chances of getting out of it because it makes it more difficult, but I think it it still puts them in a good position to to get out. Same thing for Chelsea. Same thing for Chelsea that lost against Zagreb. Um you know, even even the whole even the PSG Juve game game, yes, I, I think that game in itself was very tight. And I think Juve have the opportunity now to really go and get a result against Benfica at the J Stadium this week. And honestly I, I think Usually, these type of games are the ones where you kind of have to bounce back. And you know, I think when you get to that middle section in October, for example, that's where you need to start to wrap things up and where you feel that you're in a in a more comfortable position to advance. But other than that, I think we definitely saw some results that definitely got some um, managerial stackings. and we're going to talk about that with our interview with Theo in a bit. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think it's, it's been pretty fun, pretty fun. And, and I think as a neutral, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say this to you. Joe as well, but uh, I think it's it's been interesting to see. But certainly, next few weeks heading into I think October, um, the first few weeks of October, and then the last week on, of no, sorry the first week of November would be the last group stage game right. is where the nitty gritty comes just. You know right before the World Cup
2: sure you know normally with with Champions League we get a little bit of a break we'll get a couple of matches and get a little bit of a break and a couple of matches a little bit of break the, because of the scheduling of the World Cup this is this is going to all come at us within I think it's eight weeks um, total there's gonna be six matches in eight weeks which is uh, you know pretty crazy it's a pretty heavy lift for all these teams. Um. Yeah. Some of the some of the resulting things. Thomas Tuchel getting sacked at Chelsea. Um. Which I like. I said we're going to talk about in a bit. Um. And I think uh, Domenico Tedesco. I, I think losing four one to Shakhtar uh, yep. Donetsk. I think was really the the linchpin there for him. And then Leipzig with a massive response uh, on the weekend against Dortmund. Um. You know. I, they look like a team that they they're ready to turn things around. Um. The way they showed up against Dortmund. Dortmund kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, yeah, they did win three 0 against FC Copenhagen uh, in their first match in group G, but uh, they were absolutely uninspiring against Leipzig on the weekend. So, you know, these are going to be, I think these are going to be the micro, the microwave stories. You know what I mean? Where they're going to be, these stories are going to be cooked up fast. What, what are these teams ambitions, right? Um, are they looking to stay strong domestically? Are they are they kind of looking at this year as kind of a funky year because of the scheduling of the World Cup, or are they going for it? Um, I mean, with a, with a team like Shakhtar, it's tough to predict. You know, I mean, this is a team really without a home right now because they're because of the war. Um, a massive performance. I, you and I, when we both talked, uh, you know, Champions League preview, we expected nothing out of Shakhtar. Um, having to play six road matches is what it amounts to because they're playing their home matches in Poland uh but but obviously showing some intestinal fortitude with a 4-1 over RB, Le- RB Leipzig is just Im- incredibly impressive. Um you know and, and staying in that group as well Real Madrid now with the Karim Benzema injury I believe it is a grade 1 hamstring um correct me if I'm wrong on that Roberto but I, you know th- this is a an injury that I think Real Madrid um don't really have to worry about when we did our previews of, of the groups we thought for sure our, you know Madrid would move through and then everyone else is going to fight for second and I think that's still going to hold true to form so um, I think their their best focus is to get Karim Benzema healthy um, don't don't risk bringing him back too soon um, I know I've seen a lot of uh, injury talk from Dr. Brar uh, Rajpal Brar who we've had on the show and um, always when it comes down to the muscular injuries his biggest worry is is them rushing somebody back too soon? Uh, he, he always makes mention of it, and uh, and and I think this is this is no different um, for Karim Benzema. You know, looking around at some of the other uh, some of the other matches, Tottenham with a two nil. Um, that was uh, that was hard fought against Marseille at home at um, you know at the New White Hart Lane. Um, Marseille down to ten men in that one as well. So you've got to ask yourself, you know, what's how does Tottenham look in their next match? Um, I'm just looking now to see who it is against. Uh, uh Sporting. So that's going to be a challenge to have to go to Portugal for Tottenham Hotspur and and figure that one out. Uh that one's one of the first matches too coming up. So, you know, th- there's going to be some interesting storylines coming out of week 2. I think after week 2 they do get a break. I'm not 100% positive of that. I can check the schedule real quick. But um and that's going to th- that's going to be uh, indicative of what these teams are are looking at. Um yeah, there's going to be a break and then they come back on October 4th and October 5th. So, you know, where do we stand after two matches for a lot of these teams? Are they going to, you know, take charge of their group? I mean, Spurs, for, for all the struggle against Marseille, um, are in a position to take a stranglehold on that group because, you know, let's say a 2-0 victory over Sporting in Portugal will put them top of Group D and, and really in the driver's seat there. Uh, PSG uh, can, can really obviously take a hold with, a, with their next match against Maccabi, uh, Haifa, and then Juve... Can kind of you know stick their noses back into that race with a win over Benfica this week, um, which is kind of what Max Allegri said in one of those press conferences before the tournament kicked off. So there, there are a couple of places. Um, you know, City, uh, super impressive four nil victory over Sevilla. Sevilla look Sevilla looked terrible, and and I think City. I don't think City have to worry about winning that group. Um, let, let's let's take two seconds and, and talk about the last group, Group C. Uh, Barcelona Bayern Munich Inter and Pilsen Pilsen unfortunately got smashed by Barca 5-1 um, again like I mentioned earlier Robert Lewandowski with a hat trick in that one but the the Bayern Munich um, Inter match was to say the least very interesting Inter did not look as good as they as they needed to look um, again only losing 2-0 but losing 2-0 at the San Siro is going to be a tough one to swallow. Bayern now go to uh, go home to face Barcelona in what should absolutely be a cracker of a game. And you and I spoke about this. When when Barca finished their transfer window and the whole financials and all the stuff was up in the air, we said, which Barcelona were we going to get? Were we going to get the disaster or were we going to get a, a really strong side that would challenge for these, you know, for the La Liga spots, for the Champions League spots, you know, which Barca were we looking at? And it looks like we got the the second one, the, the challenging Barca, not not the um, the broke Barca. So your thoughts on this match coming up? It's going to be one of our matches of the week to look out for this week. But what's your thoughts on Barca's, you know, open so far, given all their, all their trouble?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely fortunate enough that they're able to register all those players, even after kind of the tumultuous summer that they had. I think certainly... It's paying dividends now, you know. Obviously, being um, still in the top races for La Liga, which you know, I think they always will be. Um, having Lewandowski scoring what nine goals in six games, so mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about someone having a of the form of his life. And you know, I think that is someone that I think will be perfect. And it's going to be interesting for the game against Bayern. Obviously, you know him coming back to the to the place where he's kind of made his name and then got the most success of his career. And you know, he certainly knows more of the Bayern Munich players than anyone else on this Barcelona side. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how how he goes by, but yeah, I think this Barcelona side I think are now in a situation where they feel as if though, you know, that uh, kind of the pressure's off in terms of the players that they needed to get. So, I think um, I think now it's to demonstrate it. So far they've done they've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's time for them to and boy, what a <laughs> what a big response it would be if they were to get a win over there in Munich against Bayern. Yeah. That would be a huge response to not just them, but it's the entire world to see that, you know, okay, maybe this team could do something. I, I don't think they, again, like I said, even before that, I don't think they are the, the clear favorite to win the Champions League, but they can certainly make a, make a dent in it and try to go far like they've done in previous years. Certainly, they're up there to challenge La Liga as they've always been, but I think the fact that they were able to kind of solve these kind of issues that they've been having regarding the players and and getting them registered, I think is, is remarkable. And so I'm curious to see how it'll go. And I think, you know, looking at all the games that were happening, uh, midweek, I mean, that's the one to circle. That's the one to watch out for, um, this, this upcoming week.
2: No doubt, no doubt. And, 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 just one more quick point on group C with Inter Milan, um inter struggling out of the gates uh you know a last minute winner this week on the weekend here in the city A. uh obviously losing two nil at home um you know with simone and coming in from lazio this now being his second year and uh and not winning the scudetto last year getting knocked out early in the champions league last year and you know on the on a similar path um you know obviously they're gonna they're, they're gonna get healthy against pills and you would think but uh but after that, you know, you're going to have to face uh, Barcelona. You're going to have to, you know, you've got Bayern. You've got Barca twice and you've got Bayern again. Um, do you feel like, and this might be a better question for Nima Tavale than anybody else, but do you feel that Simone Anzaghi is going to be on the hot seat here in the next uh, four to six weeks if this continues?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think, again, we're still getting into the season. And, and, you know, and I say never say never, but, hey, look at what Chelsea did. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, I just think that right now they're, they're still in a position where they could still compete, mm-hmm. um, at least from a Serie A perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think obviously the way that they've been playing has kind of been a bit frustrating, you would say, if you're an Inter fan. I think the Bayern Munich result, I think it was kind of expected. Of course, no one wants to lose at home at all. But when you're competing with someone that is miles ahead better, which Bayern are in, in comparison to Inter, I think it was expected. It's the games where you need to take on, you know, you're Victoria Pilsons and, and then hell, even if you're Barcelona's. They play back to back uh in the first few weeks of October Joe. So mm-hmm. they definitely need to show that response if they really want to go into the um into the knockout stage. Or at worst, if they get knocked into the Europa, I think that kind of gives a bit more pressure to Nzagi because I think that's a tournament where, you know, we have to see who makes it obviously in the later stages, but They have the talent, they have the team to do it and to win it. Um, But I, I don't know if he would be in the hot seat just yet. I think certainly it's kind of frustrating. But I'd say give it a few more weeks. If they're still in a position where they're kind of a bit far off in the league and the Champions League is not exactly in the position that they want to be in and that is obviously competing to get out of the group, then i think yeah i think now you start to to heat up that um that seat over there at the at the San Siro
2: yeah currently you know at the time of the recording sitting fourth in uh in the Serie A um again probably something that we should send a message out to Nima Tavale ask him his opinion and maybe report back next week on the show what his thoughts are for for that discussion so let's let's table the Champions League discussion and move on to Chelsea Football Club as the drama just ramped all the way up this week with the sacking of Thomas Tuchel. We were lucky to get uh, Theo Cardi from the um, from the uh, oh my goodness, I always mess up this name from the sh- from the Shed End Podcast um, who joined us and uh, and was able to discuss you know Thomas Tuchel, Chelsea, how things were going to move forward, um, and what his thoughts were. So, without further ado, the Theo Cardi interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football. From the from the Shed End podcast, Theo Carty. Theo, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. I want to open up because um, obviously your background and and familiarity with Chelsea Football Club. Uh, I want to start with the sacking of Thomas Tuchel this week. Um, you know, came as a little bit of a surprise, but not to some, not entirely. Uh, what are your thoughts on them sacking Tuchel and uh, the hiring of uh, Graham Potter?
0: Yeah, it was it was it was a it was unexpected, an unexpected second, um, but not unexpected at the same time as well. If you look back to to some of the results from previous season, um it, it, it was on the cards. It was on the cards with Thomas Tuchel. We were still winning games, but I think it was more to do with the performances and, and the way that we were playing as a team um that potentially was a, a massive um issue, not just for the for for the manager, but eventually for the owners as well. Um but it it was a shock because off the back of a um you know winning the champions league winning the the club world cup which is the elusive trophy as chelsea fans that we've been you know dying to get our hands on and the super cup as well two finals in the carabao cup and the fa cup final losing unfortunately to liverpool on penalties but to still have that success in the season and to still lose your job it, it is the chelsea thing to to lose your job off the back of a, a successful um you know a successful campaign if you want to call it that under under the circumstances with roman, roman abramovich and the sanctions and, and everything else so um a, a shock but another shock was how quick we got graham potter into the hot seat as well because um which tells me that todd bowley potentially had an inkling or an indication or a plan that he you know if things weren't to go right with thomas Tuchel, Graham Potter would be the man that he would go to. So um, I'm excited to see what Graham Potter can offer because I think he's um, he's done very well uh, under some of the clubs that he's managed previously, and uh, he looks like he looks like he needs to step up to the next level. You know, no no disrespect to Brighton or any Brighton fans, but you know, stepping up from a team where your expectations potentially is you know mid table or you know trying push into those European places at, at best. He's now at a club where the expectation is to win the Champions League or to win the Premier League. It's it's a massive step up for him. So, interested to see how that one's going to to pan out for Graham Potter.
1: I guess to really just go in and talk about that, um, I think, you know, certainly with this manager like Graham Potter, I think he's definitely overachieved a lot at Brighton. You know, I think they finished, what, seven or eight last season. So, they were just right around there uh, nearing the European spots. But, you know, I just wanted to ask, You know, what do you expect from this Chelsea side now under Graham Potter? I mean, obviously, I think it kind of fits the style of these players in terms of what he wants to get tactically. But just, you know, looking forward, obviously, you know, they're still in this campaign in the Premier League, uh, like five points behind top players' Arsenal. So certainly still a race in that sense. And obviously still got to compete in the Champions League and obviously bounce back from that defeat in Croatia a couple days ago. But just... What do you expect now from this Chelsea side moving forward under Grand Potter? I think
0: it's. Um, it, I mean, it's going to be. It's still going to be a challenging season. I don't think that the, the, the dynamic of what we expect to get out of the season have changed. I think you still look at the other teams: Spurs, um, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United. They've all improved their squads in in really good places that they needed to in terms of depth and uh, the quality that they've added to their team. So I think it's still more of the same. I think what we potentially will see, and you made a good point, Roberto, in terms of the signings that we've made, um, three out of maybe five of them have played in the Premier League already in terms of Wesley Fafana, Marco Correa, and uh, Raheem Sterling. So Graham Potter has got a good crop of players to work with. Um, again, no disrespect to Bayern fans, but the the level of quality potentially that he'll find at Chelsea's completely different to what he's probably worked with and done really well with at Brighton. So I'm expecting um tactically not much more to I mean tactically we don't know. I mean they're very similar teams in terms of Chelsea and Brighton. So I expect more of the same. Um but we need we need to get the, the, the best out of the players that we've signed, you know, the, the Kulabalis and um you know the the youngsters as well. Some of the youngsters that we've signed in Amari Hutchinson and and Chukomeka who who's been signed from Aston Villa. Um Graham Part has done well previously with younger, you know, the youth development um, at Brighton and other clubs as well. I think at Swansea is another club to mention, but I think we, we need to try and definitely retain top four this season. I think that's got to be a given in terms of what we need out of the season. And as far as we can go into the Champions League, which is never easy, as we, we, we know as football fans, it's never easy to get to the final and then go on to win that. So I think for part of this season, it's not a case of, you know, trying to do too much. It's settling the ship, which seems to be a bit unrocky and, and uneven at the moment and um, reassuring the players. I think that's the key thing. You've got to reassure some of these players. I've just signed Patrick Bamiank, who ideally was, you know, Thomas Tuchel's almost, you know, second child almost, you know, he, he, he loved him. So you has got to get the best out of those players, I think, as well. And, and just reassure the, the new signings that they are still, you know, have a part to play at Chelsea.
2: Now moving forward, um, you know, obviously Graham Potter comes in with no European experience, where Thomas Tuchel is quite the opposite of that. Uh, also, uh, you know, Graham Potter, from what I can find in my research of him and, and watching Brighton this year, uh, tends to prefer a three five two formation, where Tuchel was more of a four three three. How does this team change uh, formation? Does does the three five two that Potter might want to bring in does that fit the uh, the current uh, personnel that are at uh, Chelsea at the moment?
0: I think it does. I think, you know, um, one of the criticisms, one of few criticisms of Thomas Took was that he didn't necessarily potentially know his best 11. And I think um, this is probably the best time for Graham Potter to, to utilise the squads and, and see what is the best formation, what are the best tactics for this club going forward. Because um, we do have a catalogue of good players who can play in multiple positions. You know, we've spoken about um, Aspia Quetta or Reese James who can both play right centre-back. Marco Correa can also play left centre back as well, so I think the the depth is definitely there. We're able to 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 utilise the squad as best as we can, and and the same for midfield and going forward as well. You know, I'd love to see Kai Havertz maybe in a ten role more more so than that false nine that he's been playing as well now with Patrick Aubameyang get the squad as well. So I think there's a lot that Graham Potter has to his disposal to be able to get the best out of this squad. But if it's a three five two four three three, whatever it is, I think you know. Um, is something Graham Parts needs to sit down and, and thankfully he's had a bit more time. You know, we we should have been playing very early, um, as we record this, we should have been playing early um today. So I think we um he's he's got that time now to, to just maybe give get a few more training sessions in with the squad and just understand what he needs to do to get the best out the at the team, especially for the next game as well.
2: Now now American fans here will wonder what <clears throat> what the status of Christian Polisic will be in this one. Obviously he did not feature under Tuchel nearly as much as the American Premier League fan would want to want to see um, and, and and Pulisic you know would traditionally be better suited on the left side in a 4-3-3 as opposed to a 3-5-2 which would make him a wing back. Um, so your thoughts on, on Pulisic is I know he was trying for a move out of Chelsea before the start of the season that's obviously come and gone but in the winter window could you see uh, Chelsea moving Christian Pulisic uh, because of um, the change to Grand Potter?
0: Um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I don't think anyone. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to see anyone leave the squad because I, I think, you know, Christian Pulisic is a brilliant player. And we've we've seen glimpses of it um, sometimes down to injury or because Thomas Tuchel just hasn't selected him. But I think there's there's a player in there, and I think sometimes it, it just takes a new manager to come in, give a new lease of life, and give give a player just that confidence they potentially needs. Um, and I think. Christian Pulisic you know the same for, for, for other players that have left as well but I think for Pulisic I'd like, like to see him stay um as I said I think with the squad that we have we have the opportunity now to to not just play a set formation and, and I, I do believe that Christian Pulisic will get game time under Graham Potter I think he's um you know he's proven it under under two managers now that he's 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 worthy of a a chance at least to to play you know some part of this season so um I I mean me personally I like Christian Pulisic he's he's someone that um provides a lot to the game when when he comes on or if he starts the games as well um and, and I agree with you you know playing him from the left side the problem is that obviously we have Raheem Sterling who also plays in that that role as well so I think it's healthy competition for the two players but Ideally, I think if we can keep the squad um, together as it is, and um, Potter, Graham Potter, just needs to, as I said, you know, get the best out of this team. But Christian Pulisic shouldn't go anywhere. I think he's a he's an outstanding player, and he needs to he needs to stay and and just work hard. You know, I think work hard and prove to the manager that he should be starting games. This is everyone's, you know, new chance, a fresh blank canvas for everyone to go into a in, into the team and and prove that they should be starting.
2: No, certainly. I, I agree with that. Now, Chelsea's gain was Brighton's loss. So what does this mean now for Brighton now that Graham Potter's moved on from there? Uh, you know, there was a there was a struggle for Brighton to get him from, from Swansea, where they ultimately paid, I believe it's £3 million, uh, to get uh, him from Swansea. What does this mean now for Brighton? Now, where do they look next?
0: Well, um, in England, they're, they're talking about uh, Maurizio Pochettino, which, I mean, if they can get him, I think it's a... So still you know, he's a know He's a brilliant manager. We see what he did at Tottenham, but before that, what he did at Southampton was even more amazing, in my opinion. So I think if they can get Potichino, then that's a a brilliant, brilliant manager that they'll have. But um, the problem with Brighton, and I've always said this, is they play some brilliant football um, and I think they've kind of, um, they've sort of eradicated this issue now, but I think they play brilliant football, but they just don't score enough goals. And, you know, that's been one of their issues. So I think they, they should be okay um, in terms of, Survival in the Premier League, and you know, I don't see them as a relegation candidate at all. But I think they have to be wise because I think very much like Leicester, if I can use them as an example. You know, they're always above and beyond what they should be, and I feel like Brighton are the very similar. You know, very good football, well organised team they just don't score the goals. And I think a lot of that was down to the way that Graham Potter had them playing. So whoever comes in has to be very similar to Potter in terms of, um, you know tactics or formation or the style of play there has to be someone who's on that level if not better to do that but um, it, it's, it's hard it must be heartbreaking as a Brighton fan because you've lost someone um, and, and Brighton the board said they wouldn't stand in you know Graham Potter's way if Chelsea came to approach him so it, it, you do feel hard done by if you're a Brighton fan because you've lost someone who is potentially the spine of your team, you know, throughout on and off the field. Um, So it must be hard for them. But I think if they can get a replacement in, that's just as good as Graham Potter. They they should be fine this season.
2: Brilliant stuff. Mate, before we let you go, where can everyone find your work?
0: So, yeah. um, Well, first of all, let me say thank you for having me on as well because I've appreciated the the time. It's good to, you know, speak to you guys as well. But um, you can find um, the Chelsea channel that myself and another Theo – surprisingly the two Theos um we do a podcast so we are on Spotify Apple podcast search from the shed end our social accounts is at from the shed end on Facebook Twitter and Instagram as well so you should be able to find some all there we've got loads of content and also YouTube as well so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well from the shed end to search for us we should be there
2: great stuff again Theo thank you thank you for joining us on the show um absolute pleasure and we look forward to having you again very very soon my friend
0: no problem. Thanks, Roberto. Thanks, Joe.
2: Thanks. And special thanks again to Theo for joining us on the show. Roberto, we have a great list of matches this week, obviously going into week two of Champions League. So let me give it to you because there's plenty to talk about here. Tuesday, 3 p.m., uh, the aforementioned Bayern Munich-Barcelona matchup uh, in in Munich, uh, 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern on Tuesday. We also have at the same time Bayer Leverkusen and Atletico Madrid. Atleti coming off of that thrilling uh victory um you know in the in the week one of the champions league that match is also 3 p.m and then we're going to close out with um with a uh, am sorry mls with minnesota united and lafc lafc losing on the weekend to dallas so uh they're they're really letting that uh Supporter Shield Trophy slip away from them. They're going to have to hold serve against Minnesota United at 8 p.m. on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, we have a a duel of matches at 3 p.m. First, Manchester City Dortmund and Real Madrid RB Leipzig, both matches at 3 p.m. On Thursday, we're going to give you a Europa League match. Uh, The Darlings from last year's Champions League, Sheriff Tiraspol, will host Manchester United- At 12.45 p.m., that's in the Europa League. Then on Saturday, we go to Germany with Borussia Mönchengladbach and RB Leipzig uh, facing off at 12.30 p.m. And then, Roberto, this is where these leagues need to get together and do some scheduling planning because this is ridiculous. Sunday, uh, provided that the match is not canceled, we will kick off the day with Chelsea-Liverpool at 11.30 a.m., We will then head over to France or Italy, depending on which way you want to go. Lyon PSG at 2.45 p.m. And Milan Napoli also at 2.45 p.m. And then if that's not good enough, take uh, 15 minutes off. Head over to Spain because the Madrid derby is on at 3 p.m. Atleti host Real Madrid. Um, Again, Roberto, something that uh, these guys should really get together and kind of have a chat as to, you know, when you're scheduling matches so that we can actually watch them. But Those are your matches of the week, my friend. You gave us a great trivia question earlier in the show. Would you mind laying it on us again?
1: Absolutely. So Erling Haaland leads the way with the highest goal-to-appearance ratio at 1.25, thanks to his 25 goals in 20 appearances, a remarkable achievement Mm -hmm. for someone that only just played in the Champions League, I think, like two, three years ago. Um, (laughs) Having said that, uh, obviously, a lot of great players are on this kind of top goal scorer list. But who is the next active one with the highest goal-to-appearance ratio?
2: You know, and I wrote down Kylian Mbappe's name. And, and after all the talk of Robert Lewandowski, I, I, I want to change my mind. But I'm going to stick to my guns because Mbappe did so well when he was at Monaco in the Champions League. And then moving over and really facilitated his move to PSG. I'm going to go with
1: Kylian Mbappe. With 35 goals in 54 appearances, he has a ratio of 0. 0.65. But he is fourth on oh. the list of active players is so it, far. Is it Lewandowski? It is. With uh. 89 goals in 107 appearances, his ratio is 0. 0.823.
2: Oh my gut! Uh, I hate my gut. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, but that's a great, great trivia question, um, and and just goes to show you the the quality of goal scores that are in the Champions League right now that we're we're blessed with. So. Without anything left on the list here, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 367 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Theo Cardi for joining us on the show. Next week. We'll look back at week two of the Champions League. We will look at possibly the Graham Potter um, reign uh, or, uh, you know, series as he starts off at Chelsea and, uh, and see how they perform both in the Champions League and back home in the Premier League. We'll also give you all the action from around the league as well. So for episode 367 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Robert Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.